The Sean S. Show has been around for nearly two years now. And in our two years, we have hit all kinds of milestones and we've covered all sorts of stories from inflation to the Afghanistan withdrawals to the 2022 midterms. And we've had on nearly a dozen guests on this show to share their perspectives on some of the biggest issues of our time. And it wouldn't have been possible without the great listener support that my show has gotten for nearly two years. And it has been an immense pleasure to come back every week to speak to you guys about the biggest political stories of our time. Now I'm asking you one more time again to help us out. So before you're done listening to this episode, if you could, please share this episode and all your other favorite episodes of the Ishan S. Show with your friends and your family. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Ishan S. Show. Check out our political news blog at theishanesshow.com and don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss on the biggest headlines that are affecting our country. We've made it this far only thanks to your support and I will continue to be grateful and I will always look forward to you guys sharing this episode and all the others with your friends and your family. Thank you so much for all your help and the great episode we have planned for you starts right now. Welcome back, Debate Showdown. This past Wednesday, Republican candidates met in Milwaukee to debate the biggest issues of the 2024 campaign for the very first time, including abortion, crime, education, and more. There were insults and attacks and jabs made throughout the night. Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people. And one notable former president was absent from the stage. We'll talk about the most memorable moments from the evening, who won, who lost, and if at all this changes the scales for the GOP nomination. We'll take a look at those stories and more today, August 25th, 2023. Ishan Media. This is the Ishan S Show, a podcast about the interesting and ever-changing world of American politics. With me, your host, Ishan. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Ishan S Show, everybody. We are so happy to have you back on this show. I know I've been gone again, and a lot has been going on in the world of politics. It is presidential election season. We are just a little over a year out from the next election, so this is bound to happen. But um, before we get into today's topic, which is very big, and I'm going to warn you right now, this is going to be a longer episode probably than what we're used to having here. Before we get into that, I want to hit some two, uh, to hit some headlines that we are hearing about right now that I think are notable that I don't won't be able to cover in today's episode, but I do want to just chat about. So let's get right into our top stories. So for the first story, I think this is what something um, we've all been hearing about over the past few days. It's gone viral. Um, it's about Donald Trump's fourth indictment. Now, this indictment is coming out of Georgia, Fulton County, specifically after uh, District Attorney of Fulton County, Fannie Willis, uh, indicted former President Donald Trump on racketeering charges in relation to his attempts and conduct as it related to the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. 
Um, there was a lot of outcry. It's whatever you want to think of it. Um, and it's very in-depth. You can, I think there's an article on the ishanashow.com that you can check out to read more about exactly what this whole charge is and who else was implicated. There's 19 other co-defendants. So, like, you know, it's it's a big, big charge. And it's the only um, state charge that's related to the 2020 election that Trump has been charged with. So after this, uh, Trump now has 91 criminal charges on his plate. Uh, of course, he's innocent until proven guilty, but he has to deal with 91 charges. And, you know, it's setting up this interesting stage for not just the Republican nomination, but the election, general election in general, because of just the implications of having a candidate that is a accused criminal that has to be in and out of courtrooms rather than being on the campaign trail. Uh, and and it's for the first time we had a president take a mugshot. Uh, that came out yesterday because Trump just surrendered uh, yesterday, Thursday, uh, to the Fulton County Jailhouse, uh, and 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 that mugshot uh, has gone viral. And I'm sure you must have seen it. You must have seen iterations of it because people are making a lot of stuff out of it. So yes, uh, Trump got a mugshot. Uh, he had to be. He was arrested, um, and he has been let out though. So he's not in jail. He's he let him he got let out on a two hundred thousand dollar bond, which was like you pay and you stay out of jail. So that was something that was going on. There's a lot of details to this case, um, and we could talk about it endlessly. And I'm feeling I have this feeling that this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about this or any of the other court cases. So. Maybe next Ishan Ash Show topic might be about Trump's legal woes. We'll keep an eye on it. Check out the com for that article that I'm... I could totally be jinxing this right now, and I could be gaslighting myself. There is, There might not be an article there. I have this vague memory of trying to write the article, so maybe it is there. I don't know. If it isn't, email me, DM me on Instagram or Twitter, X, or whatever it is now, uh, um, and we will try to get that in, uh, and we're going to get you more information on Trump's fourth indictment. All right, but with that story out of the way, now let's get into our top story for this week, which is the uh, the first GOP primary debate, which you know, you know me well, you know that I was so excited for this debate. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, if you are in the world of politics, the first debate is always the most exciting debate of the election season. I remember how excited I was for the 2020 debate uh, when the Democrats were doing it, and I remember the 2016 ones. These debates are usually announced um, pretty far in advance. Like, uh, I think for this debate, the Republican National Committee, which is the group that organizes this, um, they announced that there will be debates, I think, in January itself. And then they said Milwaukee in March or April. And then they said the date in June. So, so, you know, I've been waiting for this for a really, really long time. And so, you know, in my house, there were a lot, there are a lot of people. So, um, I was very clear. I said, 
for for uh, the TV. We're not going to be any compromises, no compromises at all. I'm going to be watching this, and if you if you could, if there was a camera here, you would see my endless endless notes that I took from that debate because I don't like taking notes at school, but when it comes to a debate, yeah, I'm going to take notes. Who said what? Who did this? Notable things. Blah 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 blah. So we have a lot of things packed in. So let's get right into. Um, just the debate in general. So for the format of the debate, Fox News was hosting it, and Martha McCallum and Brett Bayer, two veteran Fox News journalists, were moderating it. Um, and on the stage, we had Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. We know Ron DeSantis. He's Florida governor. And Vivek Ramaswamy, he's a new guy. He's a political outsider. Uh, he's a businessman, a biotech engineer. So DeSantis and Ramaswamy were standing center stage. Then on their flanks, we had Mike Pence, former vice president, and Nikki Haley, former UN ambassador. To their On their sides, uh, we had... Chris Christie on the um, on the on the right side, so to the left of Mike Pence, and then uh, Tim Scott, South Carolina senator, to on the on next to Nikki Haley, and then further out at the wings of the debate stage, we had Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, and Doug Burgum, the current governor of North Dakota. Now these eight candidates constituted the debate stage. There were some candidates who did not meet the RNC's polling requirements, which were something like getting 1%. I wasn't very clear on it, honestly, and they weren't very specific about it. The RNC, I feel, did a poor job in establishing this, and that's why there are some candidates that are mad. Um, So you had to get 1%, I think, in three qualifying polls or two in a state poll or something, you have to get 40,000 unique donors from 50 states. So there has to be 200 and um, from each of the 50 states. And there is a third, oh, and the third requirement was you had to sign a pledge saying that you will support the eventual Republican nominee. Um, there was Congressman Will Hurd who said that you wouldn't sign the pledge. There was two candidates who claimed that they got the donor requirement, but it's doubtful that they did because um, their numbers did not show it. We had some candidates on the stage like Ramaswamy and Burgum, who are very rich um, and f- are funding their own campaigns, that would give out $20 gift cards for every $1 donation uh, that a person would make. And that's a, that's a lot of money that they're spending on it. But it's just in an effort to get the number of donations. So that's why they made it onto the stage. Uh, Mike Pence had a really hard time getting 40,000 donors. He got it, but it was not easy for him to get it. Um, So that was pretty notable. Uh, Another thing going into the debate, Governor Doug Burgum, he was the lowest polling candidate on the stage. So this night really mattered for him. But I guess poor luck for him. He ended up breaking his leg or uh, tearing his Achilles tendon or something just the night before while playing pickup basketball. So he was in the ER the night before all night. So it was unclear whether or not he was going to make it, but he did. Uh, And he stood on that stage in a boot. I couldn't imagine how many painkillers he was probably on to be there, but he was there uh, and ready to debate. But yes, so the debate started out um, in, in with Fox News. They they had this. I didn't like the format. Um, I I didn't like Fox News's format at all. I think it was pretty extra. Uh, like like for example, they played a clip um, of the the top uh, Billboard song right now, Richmond from Richmond or something like that. Uh, it, 
that they wanted to play and that was going to be their prompt for for the questions coming up like it's something like how are you so not supposed to be a rich man from richmond or something i i didn't like that and they wasted a lot of time trying to get that out there in fact, I don't think the actual speaking stuff started until 8.10, and the candidates had already been on the stage for 20 minutes. I think one thing that you have to recognize, and this is where um, uh, it's not me taking any stances or anything. It's just I'm saying this because it's what I've observed. CNN is also like this, too. Um, this is why I always like the, the big three cable networks or uh, satellite networks, NBC, CBS, and ABC. They're really good at format. They know how to get things done in the time that they're allotted. Unlike the cable news networks that waste their time, honestly, with stupid theatrics. So like when Fox News decided to do that, I felt like that was a dumb programming decision that was really unnecessary and it took away time. But whatever, it's not like we can really control it, right? So they started 10 minutes late, whatever. Now, the candidates started off immediately with attacks on each other. Um, so they did not have opening statements. They went straight to talking about some of the bigger issues of the campaign. So it started with Ron DeSantis speaking um, about, I can't remember exactly what the topic is, but they were speaking, uh, Ron DeSantis and other candidates were speaking, and then some notable lines were thrown off right in the beginning. Uh, including one from Mike Pence, we got some from uh, we got some from Vivek, we had some from Christie, uh, so it, it was pretty heated uh, right off the bat, and they were all piling on top of Vivek Ramaswamy. And like I said, you like I just said, Vivek is new to the political scene. He is not somebody that's been there. He's not a politician. He is a businessman. So it was pretty stark to see him right in the middle center stage next to Ron DeSantis without Donald Trump there. If Donald Trump was there, he would have been third place. But for that night, he was in, he was center stage with Ron DeSantis. It was a shared spot because there were eight people. So he was the instant target of attack uh, right off the bat. So there are a few clips that I want to play. So first one that I, first one is Mike Pence saying, and you heard it in the opening, saying now is not the time for on-the-job training. We have Chris Christie who called him Chat GPT. I don't really know what that was about, but like, like, what does being Chat GPT mean? I I don't know, but it was a funny insult. Um, and and we had other we had other funny attacks being made. Uh, then we had Ramaswamy saying something. About, like accusing all the candidates of having pre-prepared slogans, uh, saying that uh, they're all bought and paid for. That was a pretty big uh, moment. He said we're all that all the politicians here are all bought and paid for. That was when there was a discussion about climate change. He said I'm not bought and paid for, so I'm going to call climate change a hoax. Uh, that sparked a lot of backlash for him. Um, but yeah, so here, here are some of those clips of Mike Pence and uh, Chris Christie attacking Ra Vivek Ramaswamy. Exactly understood Mike Pence's comment, but I'll let you all parse that out. For me, it's pretty simple. That's something a U.S. president can do with focus, and I'll deliver on well, it. Well, let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you, Vivek, if I can. I'll go slower this time. You know, I sometimes struggle with the reading comprehension. Look, I was, uh, right I was a House conservative leader before it was cool. 
I actually pushed a deficit reduction act that was the last time we actually reduced the national debt in the United States when I was the leader of House conservatives. I balanced budgets and cut taxes when I was governor. I mean, look, Joe Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. We need to bring Listen, listen, listen. Hold on, hold on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. We finally heard from uh, Nikki Haley a little further into the evening when there was this whole food fight going on on the debate stage. And then Nikki Haley, with their classic uh, conservative feminism, then interjected saying something about when you want something said, uh, quoted Margaret Thatcher when she said, when you want something done, said, ask a man. When you want something done, ask a woman. That garnered a big applause line. Tim Scott was kind of struggling to speak in the beginning. I, I think this wasn't his spot. Like when I was reading stuff before uh, his campaign, people were saying that he is not the combative type. He is um, very simple. He's very uh, polite sometimes. Uh, and and, and uh, that was reflected on stage. In fact, he even said he when he was struggling to speak, there was this funny back and forth that he had with the moderator because he would run out of time and then he'd keep saying wait but i'm not done oh but i'm still not done oh and then he would they would talk about instead of him answering the question then they were just talking about the time and the little bell thing would keep going off and he'd be like oh that was too quick oh wait and then it was funny and then he said i'm struggling to speak i'm a southern boy (laughs) so that was funny so this first part of the debate i'll be honest like i I, now that i think about it i'm kind of all over the place here um, not gonna lie, I'm kind of like all over the place. Uh, and that's just because I did not take a lot of notes for the first like 30 minutes of the debate. I was watching, I was very, I was very fascinated by it. I have way more in-depth notes after this. So, um, after whatever happened in the beginning, we got to abortion and abortion was I think the first moment where we had a really significant policy clash happen on stage um, we, so it started off with Nikki Haley being asked, she said, we need to stop demonizing this issue, um, for women. She tried to take the more pragmatist route, which is not, you know, it's a little unorthodox for the Republican primary in this day and age, maybe 10 years ago, that would have been the right response. But, um, to this, like on Wednesday, Nikki Haley said, we need to, she said, quote, we need to stop demonizing this issue. She started talking about how we couldn't get the 60 Senate votes that are needed to, to um, pass an abortion ban. I think that was, it's a, it's a weak argument in all honesty. I just don't think that it works to say that because that's more like a, we can't do this. We, we can't do this. And it's not going to work, so let's just not worry about it at all. So that was the kind of attitude that I was getting when Nikki Haley kept saying that it wasn't um, when it wasn't um, possible to get 60 votes in the Senate. I should also add that this was about a federal abortion ban. 
that was a detail I forgot to include. This was the moderators asking the candidates about a, a federal abortion ban, uh, whether or not if that were to come on their desk, if they were president, what they would say. So Ron DeSantis did not did not take a stance when he was asked to, when he when it was his turn to speak. He did not take a stance. He um he he basically just kind of talked about his his six week ban in Florida and he brags about his election victory uh when he when he did this but he wouldn't he wouldn't give a concrete answer and so the, the moderators kept pushing him until they finally got a begrudging answer from him and he said yes that he would support a federal abortion ban should it come onto his desk uh Mike Pence was speaking a lot and this caused a big heated exchange between him and Nikki Haley the moderators set that up um, so he said, quote, a consensus is the opposite of leadership because Nikki Haley suggested rather than pushing for a big uh, federal abortion ban, uh, whatever week mark, she, he said or she said rather to find consensus. So Mike Pence attacked her because Mike Pence, don't forget, is pretty far right on the issue. And he in this campaign, I think, has championed the issue of abortion as his signature issue because he's very pro-life. So um, he, he, I guess, took it upon himself to attack Nikki Haley. Uh, and so here's a bit of that exchange with Mike Pence and Nikki Haley about abortion. Let's treat this like the like a respectful issue that it is and humanize the situation and stop demonizing the situation. To be honest with you, Nikki, you're my friend, but uh, consensus is the opposite of leadership. When the Supreme Court returned this question to the American people, they didn't just send it to the states only. It's not a states only issue. It's a moral issue. And I promise you, as president of the United States, the American people will have a champion for life in the Oval Office. Can't we have a minimum standard in every state in the nation that says when a baby is capable of feeling pain, an abortion cannot be allowed? A 15-week ban is an idea whose time has come. It's supported by 70% of the American people, but it's going to take unapologetic leadership, leadership that stands on principle and expresses compassion for women okay, in crisis hold, hold pregnancies. I'll do that as president of the United States. Be honest with the American people. We haven't honest. had 45 pro-life senators in over 100 years, so no Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president could ban all those state laws don't make women feel like they have to decide on this issue when you know we don't have 60 senate votes in the house so that was probably the biggest moment from the abortion debate i i mean there were other people elsewhere saying their stuff like there was asa hutchinson saying when i was governor i passed i signed in the 30 30 30 bills abortion pro-life bills in the law there was Doug burgum who said that he but also was in favor of um he wasn't in favor of an abortion ban he was he said that it had to be left up to the states which was again a little more orthodox of a style um but there was also talk saying that uh, the Dobbs decision gave a federal option so the Dobbs decision for the record returned abortion to the states now these republican candidates are now making the argument that they could ba pass an abortion federal abortion ban which, I mean, is a fair argument to make because re Democrats are saying that they can pass a federal abortion law protecting it. So so there's talk about 
so there's no question that there's federal involvement still in abortion, but it is a state issue for right now. So that was the debate on the stage that was going on. Um, then they moved on to urban struggles. Uh, urban struggles, they uh, started off with Mike Pence because Mike Pence, again, uh, was there. He he spoke the most, actually, that night. That's that's another thing. He spoke the most. Um so Mike Pence blamed the defund the police movement. Chris Christie said that on sh- when on shootings, he said that a President Christie would be more tough on crime. He said, quote, the laws apply to everybody. And then he brought up Hunter Biden and how he lied on an application to get a firearm. Ramaswamy said that this was a mental health crisis. And then there was a little back and forth between Mike Pence and Vivek again. And that was actually the theme of the night. Ramaswamy kept getting under people's skin, but we'll get we'll get um, we'll get to that later. There's a really interesting point later on in this debate, but um, there. So yeah, Ramaswamy and Mike Pence they have a little bout again. DeSantis accused George Soros back DAs of being not soft on crime. So then he touted how he got rid of two of them because in Florida. The governor has the power to remove elected district attorneys from office. He can dismiss them, which many people are saying the two people that he removed are pretty politically motivated because he's running for president. Like these people lost their jobs as district attorneys because, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis is running for president and he he needs the attention. Um, Then DeBergham, North Dakota guy, talked about small town values Hutchinson challenged, uh, he actually was the head of the DEA. So he said that DEA is drug enforcement agency. He said he faced challenges of crime all the time. But then uh, this is where it got real interesting. (coughs) Uh, he, He attacked Trump. This was the first time that Trump was really in, de- in attacked. And so Hutchinson says, he throws an attack at Trump and says, that Trump is basically pretty much lawless, that he's being accused of four different crimes, that he's lost all the credibility. If we're going to be tough on crime, we have to be tough on crime for all of our people. That garnered a lot of booing on stage. We'll get to that in a moment, too, um, with that audience, too. But attack Trump. Trump was like, he's like, Trump is has all these charges against him. He does. He shouldn't be. He, he can't be there. He made an argument about the 14th Amendment of the Constitution saying that if you take part in an insurrection that you are disqualified from being president. That wasn't widely accepted on the stage, really. Um, but yeah, so that was a nice segue into the next topic. And we have a few clips from here. So um, I'll play the opening part of the clip. Well, actually, no, I won't. Uh, so that one, so when they opened it, Brett Bayer said, we're going to now talk about the elephant not in the room. That was a funny joke, uh, um, which was Donald Trump. So the first question uh, that was asked is, would you support, and this was a raise your hand question, it was, would you support Trump if he's convicted? So the candidates had to raise their hand So I think with the exception of Hutchinson, who does not like Trump a lot, and Chris Christie, all the other candidates candidates raise their hands. So in the event that Donald Trump is convicted and he is the nominee, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Doug Burgum, uh, and I'm forgetting somebody, uh, wait, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy 
have all said that they would support Donald Trump if he is the convicted nominee for the Republican nomination. So, you know, it doesn't matter what your views are. Um, yeah, everybody's going to have their take on Donald Trump for that. But it's pretty notable and uh, pretty notable. Uh, so by Hutchinson and Christie not raising their hands there, I'm pretty sure they just kind of sealed the fate of their presidential campaigns like it's done. Like, that's a pretty losing uh, it, thing for a GOP nomination. Six guys there, maybe they don't want to support Donald Trump, but they have to play it smart. Like, they can't they can't not support him or say that they won't support him. Um, so, basically, after this, there was a big um, point of Chris Christie, Chris Christie speaking on this. So, uh, Chris Christie spoke about vengeance and grievance or something and then um or actually there was a back and forth with ramaswamy again and that resulted with chris christie saying his stuff it resulted in booing from the audience and then there was a big uh there was a big uh, back and forth between chris christie and ramaswamy take a listen the conduct is beneath the office of president of the united states You know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Mr. Ramaswamy, you raise your hand supporting. No, I'd like to should get in and respond. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, Honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country, they could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice, and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We have to end the weaponization of justice in this country. No, no, I'm sorry. 30 seconds covered. You make me laugh because you you sit here in an answer. You sit here in an answer right You sit here and answer. Go ahead, Governor Christie. Hold on, Governor Christie. Hold on. I think Christie took a punch, or didn't take a punch, threw a punch there. Vivek took a punch uh, after that little exchange. Then they moved on. So they transitioned from Trump to January 6th, and they talked about Mike Pence. So the, the moderators asked the candidates, on January 6th, did Mike Pence do the right thing by voting to uh, by allowing the certification of the 2020 election? Mind you, this is constitutionally required, so Mike Pence didn't really have a choice. But, you know, that's the discussion we're having in this primary. So moderators felt like they should ask it. So did Mike Pence do the right thing? Scott said yes. Pretty. That's it. DeSantis didn't answer the question, and this got really annoying in my view. I did not like it when he didn't answer the question. DeSantis is like, he he 
started he threw that classic line that politicians throw january 20th 2025 or whatever um he would not he would not budge moderators kept trying to force an answer out of him uh then finally begrudgingly um desantis did end up saying that mike did his duty i have no beef uh take a listen to that fun clip so answer the question thing. I've, I've answered this before. So yes. Why are we? He, Mike. Mike did his duty. I got no beef with him. But here's the thing: Is this what we're going to be focusing on I'm relieved. going we forward? Hold. The yeah. rehashing of this? I'll yes. tell you, Governor the DeSantis. Democrats would love that, we and they will win gold. if we Governor let DeSantis him get away with it. Rehashing. I'm not letting Biden. When it came back to Pence to speak, he said that he defended the Constitution and served the American people. Pretty standard answer for him. Hutchinson said that Donald Trump, bad disqualification based on the 14th Amendment, kept repeating the same line. Then Chris Christie. Chris Christie, uh, I like this response that he gave. He said Mike Pence stood for the Constitution and then talked about how Donald Trump had once said, he did say this in December, actually, he did say that he would opt to suspend the Constitution to get himself back in power. That is a thing Donald Trump said. Um, He suggested it. He said it. Um, So Chris Christie kind of tried to indict Trump over there, saying that he tried to put a charge on Trump that he's not qualified to take an oath to the Constitution, unlike what Mike Pence did. So he praised Mike Pence. He said, quote, he deserves our thanks, not a begrudging thanks, in response to Ron DeSantis's kind of weak thank you to Mike Pence, uh, if he even thanked him. Like, he just acknowledged that he did the right thing. Uh, And... If you've listened to this show, you know what we think of January 6th. And you also know that Mike Pence did something pretty brave for the standards of his party, especially at that time where the 2020 election being stolen was kind of the mainstream and it was the the script for most. So when Mike Pence certified the election for Joe Biden, he, he took a pretty big risk. And they were yelling, hang Mike Pence on January 6th, like... Come on, it's he did a, he did a big thing. Like it, it's not it's commendable what he did. So Chris Christie gave him credit where credit was due. Then Haley, uh, when she was asked, she said he did the right thing, but it doesn't disqualify Donald Trump. She said that it just, Trump shouldn't be disqualified. She's like, I trust the American people. We need a new generation. Then she made the interesting point that Trump is the most disliked politician in America. She tried to make a general election argument right here where she said, you know, Donald Trump is great and all. He's done a lot for the country. Um, I don't know about Mike Pence and what he did that day. He must, he did the right thing. It's not appropriate for Donald Trump to have done what he did, but I'll stand by him. However, we need a new generation of leaders in the Republican Party, not Donald Trump. And the fact that Donald Trump is the most disliked president in America right now, he shouldn't really be at the top of our ticket, which I felt was a pretty strong point. Then we got to Pence part two. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy challenged Pence to a pardon. So Vivek has been a pretty big champion of uh, pardoning former President Donald Trump if he is in office for all his federal charges. Uh, Vivek started challenging him on that. So anyway, that was kind of the the heated part of uh, that discussion. So Mike Pence is saying, I actually have pardoned people because he was governor of Indiana. So he did pardon people. Then Mike Pence said, 
I'm not thinking of January 20th or January 6th, 2021. He's actually thinking of January 20th, 2017. So he went back in time. He said he took an oath to the Constitution. And he, he said that he had a responsibility to protect the Constitution. He said he, he hoped it didn't come to criminal proceedings. Um, and he kind of went after Trump. But then he told, and then he accused Donald Trump, big accusation. He told Donald Trump to pick uh, uh, oh, sorry. Donald Trump told him to pick him over the Constitution. He said he chose the Constitution. Pretty big uh, accusation there. Trump on Truth Meet Social later that day, uh, night rather, said that he did not do that, which according to the indictments that we have seen, there was a pressure campaign that there was present against Mike Pence. Uh, whether or not Trump specifically said something, we don't know. But there was a pressure campaign on Mike Pence nonetheless, for sure. Uh, that should be stated. But that was the end of the, the Trump discussion of the evening. Uh, which after hearing all that, I realized like I kind of forgot Trump was running for president until they brought up Trump in the debate. I was like, okay, these are the candidates, and then they're like, oh Trump. And I was like, oh Trump, yeah, that's right, he's also running, right? Um, <clears throat> so then they went to foreign policy. Foreign policy was where I think uh, the best moment of the evening was. Um, so basically, I'm not starting there yet, but the first question that was asked was whether or not there should be more funding to Ukraine. Um, and so the moderator said, raise your hand if you're in favor of lowering support and funding for Ukraine. Ramaswamy shot his hand up because that's just the type of person he is. And then DeSantis, I thought was really funny. He, he like looked both ways. He's like, he's not sure. She's like, oh, should I, should I not? Then he looked at Ramaswamy. He's like, okay, fine. I'll raise my hand. Um, so they asked DeSantis first. He said, that it's not um it's not that we should be um reducing our support but he said that Europe is not putting up their part against um China is what he said he misspoke um but he said that we should not be putting up as much money if Europe isn't ready to put it up and that's up Europe's alley that was his argument so th that was the argument that was being there um then so that was his entire thing. Then Ramaswamy came, and Ramaswamy said that we should divert money. Yes, he said, yes, we should reduce Ukraine funding. He said that it's not appropriate for us to be funding Ukraine. He said that Ukraine is not a priority for America, which is not necessarily the right point to say, but I'm not the judge of that. That's you. Um, but I, in my view as an observer i would say that that was a pretty weak argument but it was catered to the maga base so i think he made the right comment for that forum but in a general election i don't think that would work um because ukraine we many most americans understand the importance of ukraine and most americans do like giving more money to ukraine because they understand that there is a big um foreign policy geopolitical issue associated to the war in ukraine with russia invading them then Chris Christie, Chris Christie talked about Ukrainian children and how Vladimir Trump, uh, Vladimir Putin has been taking them, snatching them from their families. He tried to take that pathos moment. And then he accused Trump of calling Vladimir Putin a genius um, and praising um, Putin, which happened when he was president, not, not far from the truth. Then Mike Pence's turn. Mike Pence said that Ramaswamy was wrong and that we needed, and, and it said that we need the peace through strength um, doctrine to stand by it. That got really messy. Um, but then, then uh, uh, 
came back to Ramaswamy and uh, Ramaswamy said that we just know we shouldn't be supporting Ukraine. Okay, I, I know I sped through a lot of that, but I want to get to this moment, which is, and I know we're running a little tight on time right now, so I wanted to get to this moment, which is Nikki Haley. This was Nikki Haley's best moment of the evening um, that I'm about to play. Um, so basically, the moderator set it up as a DeSantis clash because DeSantis previously has called the Ukraine crisis a territorial issue, which Nikki Haley has called him out on for. Um... But Nikki Haley did not directly address that when she was asked. She said that um, Ukraine is a pro-American country being invaded by a thug um, and then brought in Vivek and started scolding Vivek and went after him and beat him like a drum. And I really think that this was not just Nikki Haley's best moment, but this was probably the best moment of the evening because it showed the biggest clash of the two factions of the Republican Party. And it 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 really it really um sent shockwaves because everybody was paying attention to that and that was one of the more viral moments of the evening other than like the hand raised questions this one i think was a really good moment so take a listen to nikki haley attacking vivek ramaswamy win for russia is a win for china we have to know that ukraine is the first line of defense for us and the problem that vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand ukraine to russia he wants to let china eat taiwan he wants to go and stop funding israel you don't do that to friends what you do instead is you have the backs of your friends ukraine is the front line of defense putin has said if Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Pergozin. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a pro American country. First of all, first of all, first of all, Mr. Ramaswamy, you have 30 seconds. Mr. DeSantis, you know, Nikki, I wish you well in your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon. You know, I'm not on but the, the fact of the matter, Boeing came off of it, but you've been pushing this lie. You've been pushing this lie all week, Nikki. You want to go and defund Israel? You want to Okay, let me address that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to address each of those right now. This is the false lies of a professional politician. There you have it. So you the reality make America is, less safe. You have no me, foreign policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, the foreign policy experience that you all have. So after that point, um, that was a pretty heated exchange. I like that. I think that was a pretty nice moment for Nikki Haley, and I, uh, you know, I think that Nikki Haley is a strong candidate in this field. Um, she had a bit of a slump, so we needed that moment for her, if she, uh, for her to really, you know, shoot up there again. But anyway, that was Nikki Haley's little moment. Um, after that Ukraine debate, it became they did discuss China for a few minutes. That's where like Bergam and Scott got to speak. Not really monumental. Uh, Bayer Brett Bayer scolded Pems for not shutting up. Um, then they talked about my, the migration issue at the southern border. Again, it was the same Law and Order script that we always hear education education was an interesting topic desantis touted how there has been a decrease in education and increase in crime he said that they mean education not indoctrination we know what's been going on in florida with their education ap african-american studies the slavery stuff um slavery education stuff um 
in addition to LGBTQ education and whatnot. There's a lot of murky stuff going on in Florida that he's pretty much spearheading, so he said that he wants to bring that to the national stage. Ramaswamy uh, brought up his championing issue, which is a civics test um, a civics test for all 18-year-olds to be able to vote. He says that he made a pretty outrageous statement in my view. Um, he says something about how um, people are being paid basically to do nothing. Specifically, he says single women are being quote, paid to not have men in the house. I did not get the point of that comment. I did not. I thought it was a pretty stupid thing to say, in all honesty. I think Vivek uh, really stepped out of line when he said that. Not sure how that came into education anyway. Burgum said education needs to be about, um, you know, needs to be more free, needs to be whatever. Nikki Haley did not like the crazy woke things happening in the classroom. Um, talked about how reading remediation scores have been down. Talked about how students are less likely to graduate from high school. So this, uh, I wanted to note how Nikki Haley's comments here in the education section were the most substantive policy points being made in this section of the debate. Then they had the lightning round. And in the lightning round, uh, Pence was asked about Biden's old age. Then Pi Bi Pence said that everybody's got to have a mental competency test. He said that we don't really need an old president. But he also said we don't need a young president. He attacked, he took a jab at Ramaswamy there. He said, we don't need an old president and Joe Biden, but we also don't need a young guy. Because Ramaswamy is 38 years old. He's inexperienced. Uh, like Nikki Haley said, it shows. <laughs> um, <coughs> but... Uh, Mike Pence was like, we we don't need an old president and we don't need a young guy. Um, Vivek said Americans are smart enough that we need to deliver the Reagan 1980 um, revolution. Hutchinson uh, brought up computer science. That was not the question, but he, I guess he wanted to speak on education. But he's like, we need to offer more computer science education. Oh, it's about Joe Biden? Yeah, we need computer science education. Um then they talked, Scott got asked about faith. Scott said that we should be increasing, <coughs> we should be increasing faith. Um, we should be also breaking the backs of teachers unions somehow came up in that question. Um, Mike uh, DeSantis was asked if military service should be mandated. He said that it should be voluntary. Chris Christie got asked about UFOs. Uh, I thought that was really funny. <coughs> I don't know why the cough, but Maybe it's because I've been talking for 37 minutes. Um, but Chris Christie got asked about UFOs, which he, he was a little insulted by the question. Um, so instead of that, he, he started talking about um, uh, he started talking about the previous topics, and he said that the American people are should know there should be more transparency, that sort of thing. Then the, finally, the debate concluded. We got to closing statements. I'm not going to be very big on the closing statements. I'm just going to give a big gloss over of everything because we are tight, tight, tight on time. So Burgum talked about inflation, life story, uh, and talked about what he will do um, for America reducing regulation. Hutchinson uh, talked about Trump uh, and said he's a consistent conservative. Scott, he talked about his life story uh, versus the frugality of the American dream. That was the prompt. They said basically, like, is the American dream dying? Scott said, no, I'm living proof of it. Chris Christie uh, talked about 
how he's the only one who's beat a Democrat incumbent um, and that we need a Democrat and we need a strong, you know, blue state Republican to beat a Democrat incumbent. He compared himself to Ronald Reagan in 1980. Um, <coughs> Haley, she talked about how her husband is in the military, how she sent him off. She said that uh, that it was a very clear and concise statement about how she was fighting for Americans. Uh, Pence, it was his turn. He said he was going to, he's attacked Joe Biden. Um, he basically said that we need to strengthen American leadership. He says that we need to, um, we need to become energy independent. That came up. Ramaswamy's turn. He said he was born in 1985 uh, and he had a bunch of, um, he said not to celebrate diversity. Um, he said diversity has resulted in reverse racism. Um, he's, he, and then he had a bunch of affirmations. DeSantis, uh, for his closing, he brought up his service in the Iraq War, and then he brought up how he's a dad, a husband, and he uh, talked about struggles of parents in the classrooms. Okay, done with debate. Done. Now it's time for the analysis part. So, for this debate, uh, I said that there were winners, losers, and unclear. So, for our winners for this debate, I, I, you might have been able to tell, some of these are going to surprise you. So for our winners, we I said Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and Mike Pence. Uh, for losers, I said Chris Christie, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, and Doug Burgum. And for unclear, I said Ramaswamy. Um, I'm going to explain each of these, but we're going to put Ramaswamy in the winner category just for now. So, <coughs> and if I had to rank these people, I said Nikki Haley in first place, and Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson are tied for last place. So for each of these... So my overall takeaways, if we were to put this all up, very obviously, the night was about introducing the candidates to the American people. This was their shot of saying, this is my name, this is what I stand for, and this is why I'm running for president. Um, I think <coughs> Nikki Haley did the best out of any of the candidates in terms of that stage. Why? Because going in, she didn't have that many expectations because she was a lower polling candidate, 3%. <clears throat> and really what it shows what Nikki Haley needed to show was that the same zeal that she had when she was um, selected for the State of the Union response to Obama or when she was South Carolina governor or when she when Trump picked her to be UN ambassador I think there was a lot of opportunity going into this debate for her and that she capitalized on it really well and she came across as leveled, pragmatic, and she was she was not running for the GOP nomination. She was running directly for the general election. That was the message she was trying to send. And I think especially that little feud of hers with R Ramaswamy, that served her so well. And this is going to really, I think, resonate with white suburban moms. This is the biggest constituency that killed Trump's campaign in 2020 because they did not support him. I think Nikki Haley's performance here might actually resonate with this group, and that might be a very valuable thing to bring it back into the Republican column. But I also think that she has just forfeit her ability to be Trump's running mate. Like, now there's no question that she will be Trump's running mate because she attacked Trump. She she said that he's the most disliked politician in America, that she, we need to move on from him. So I think that, she, that you know, Nikki Haley did really well for this debate. And it's going to show in the polls. It already has. Like, in Iowa, she went from 3% in the polls to 11% in third place. Pretty big deal. 
And I think over time, until the next debate in September, we're going to see Nikki Haley draw support away from Asa Hutchinson for anti-Trumpness and Tim Scott for South Carolina-ness. Um, we might even see her draw support away from DeSantis and Ramaswamy. Um, then next, Ramaswamy. Um, this is the next point I have. Ron's, uh, so Ramaswamy may either get a modest bump in the polls or he may see a drop in the polls. It's still yet to be seen. But why I say that is because Ramaswamy was extremely irritating on that stage. He was very annoying on that stage. And I don't think it was really, he did not do himself any favors. He came across as arrogant, smug, and it's just that he came across as like the stereotypical young person. And I know this show is about supporting young people and young candidates, but like, that was like the that was that was the stereotypical reason of why people do not want young people in office because he came across as overconfident and smug, which is not what you want, especially in a Republican primary. Not that you wanted a Democrat either, but and uh, I don't know when you're running for president, you want to come across as relatable. We have gotten one poll from Iowa. That's the same one I just mentioned. Ron Santa, or excuse me, Vivek Ramaswamy saw the biggest drop in support. He saw his support drop from 11%, I think, to 7%, which is a huge drop. Um, he hurt his support, and he got under the skin of mo all the candidates on the stage. He got under everyone's skin, and he, everybody attacked him as a result. And in addition to that, he also very much was attacked for his pretty outlandish position. Honestly, he was there as the fill-in for Donald Trump because Donald Trump was not on that stage. Donald and oh, there you didn't even we didn't even get to Donald Trump in this episode. I'm beginning to realize, but whatever, whatever. Um, Ramaswamy was Trump's fill-in on that stage, and he was just there to hang out to be Trump's fill-in. He mini trump is what they're calling him and they're saying that he might be a good vp spot not that ron or ramaswamy would accept a vp spot i don't think he would but now they're saying that about him so you know look at that good for you uh vivek then um uh, ron DeSantis, second place in my view um ron DeSantis, uh excuse not second third place Ron DeSantis, I think, did a really good job because going in, he has been had slouching, slumping polls, and he's been really struggling with his uh, campaign as a candidate. There's even an article on the ishanshow.com. This one I remember um, about how uh, he has really been plopping. So going into this debate, it was do no harm to your campaign. So DeSantis, Ron, shut up. Don't. Don't say anything stupid. Don't do anything stupid. Yes, DeSantis had a few gaffes here and there. Like, he fought with the moderator a little. He said, we're not school children. Kind of killed the climate change part for the general election. Whatever. Um, but the point was, do no harm. And he did just that. So he came out of this. And he got really lucky that everyone was attacking Ramaswamy instead of him. Because he's a second-place candidate, not Ramaswamy. So um, he got out pretty well. Uh, good for him. So, like, now DeSantis has seen a bump in the polls. And I think that is notable. And it's going to help him in the long run. Because now uh, DeSantis has gotten not a new new life injected into his campaign. But more like a, um, a, a little medicine has been given to his campaign by not hurting himself with his campaign. Or his chances at being the nominee. Because now he has this nice 
um, experience on the stage that has helped him go forward as a, a stronger candidate because he was not attacked on that stage and that the American people, the 12 million viewers that watched, did not see all the issues that he has. Okay, next, Mike Pence. Mike Pence, I feel like he wasn't too impressive, but again, so maybe actually I'm going to switch DeSantis and Mike Pence. Mike Pence is third place, not um, not DeSantis. DeSantis is second place. Mike Pence had a not-so-impressive performance. I'm going to say he's a winner because he spent a lot of his time. We got to see a feisty Mike Pence. That's not something we're used to seeing a lot, um, and I think that's pretty fun, uh, and I liked watching it, but it was like you—, you I heard this on another podcast, but basically it's like um, Mike Pence. Uh, it was funny, actually. It's like Mike Pence, they was there. He spoke for the most time, yet you remember nothing about what he said. I only remember some of the things he said because I wrote it down, admittedly. Um, the only thing I'm going to really remember Mike Pence's performance from that night was how much he fought with Vivek Ramaswamy, um, which I think was beneath him. But of course, he's right now at least right now, doing worse than Ramaswamy in the polls. So he had to do something. So what we're gonna, I'm going to remember Mike Pence for from this debate is basically attacking Ramaswamy and kicking his you-know-what. Um, so we'll see Mike Pence next debate, I think, probably. I mean, he should qualify, hopefully. Like, I say hopefully because I want to see him on that stage and I want to get more content. But we'll see how it goes. Um Ramaswamy fourth place we hit it um he's really annoying <laughs> and he got attacked a lot but that's like what it is when you're in second place we'll see what happens to support we saw 11% drop to 7% I want to see that pattern and I want to observe that so maybe next week we'll go over polling numbers um now we talk about the losers so Chris Christie Chris Christie um I was pretty disappointed Going in, Chris Christie's made his entire campaign about attacking Donald Trump and making sure that Donald Trump isn't the next president. And somehow, somehow he has screwed that over and he did not do that enough. He did not do it properly. I felt like he fell flat. I think Chris Christie really hurt his campaign. Um, Tim Scott. Tim Scott, I think, was there. He wasted his time. Tim Scott has better things to do than run for president. He is not there to do anything. Like, he did nothing. He sat, he stood there and said nothing. He spoke when he was asked to speak. He never interjected. Uh, you, you can't be a presidential candidate if you're not going to have that little bit of, you know, that, 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 that tangy, whatever. <laughs> tangy. I don't know what tangy means. Um, but he was there and he was just kind of there to hang out. Like, he wasn't actually doing anything. And that's what I think. This is where I think Nikki Haley, the other South Carolinian on stage, does much better because she is a debater. She knows how to go in. She knows how to hit the points. Tim Scott was like, oh, yeah, I have an answer to that question. Pick me, please. So I felt like Tim Scott really did no favors to him for himself. He had a lot going in. He has a lot of money, so he'll be in the race for a while. But it's not like he's done himself any favors from that debate. Um, then Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum. I'm not going to even waste your time with this. Those two need to be drop out. They shouldn't have been on that debate stage. Like, <coughs> them being on that debate stage was like, it was a reflection of the poor standards that the RNC had. Like, Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson were 
when I'm mad at my uh, Tim Scott for not speaking enough, at least Tim Scott sometimes interjected. These two were just taking their turn, and they were there just for fun. Like they have nothing to contribute to this field, and they and I say that because they are lower polling candidates. If they were higher polling, the lower polling candidates in their pace, I would have said the same thing. They have nothing to contribute to this race. They are lower polling candidates with higher polling candidates that already have their little niche. They don't need to be there, and I think it's time for them to drop out. Um, and I hope Doug Burgum gets better soon. Uh, he broke his leg, right? So I hope he gets better soon, but he doesn't need to be on the next debate stage, honestly. But yes. Uh, oh, and then one more. Donald Trump, I think. Uh, yeah, we have to talk about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is still too prominent to be knocked out. He is still going to be in first place next debate. He's going to probably be in first place in the debate after that. He's going to be first place for a while. So these candidates need to figure out a strong strategy. So I'm looking at Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, and Ron DeSantis. These three guys, people need to figure out figure out how they're going to take out Donald Trump. They're going to need to come up with a strategy because I think right now the burden is on their shoulders. The other people are just there for whatever. I don't even know what they're there for. These are the three candidates we're going to talk about in the future. I know that they're going to be pretty prominent. Let's see how this turns out. Now, I'm looking at the total thing. So far in recording, we have 51 minutes down, and I don't even want to think about how long this episode is going to be with all the video clips that I need to add in and how long this is going to take to edit. So, um, you know what we're going to do, guys? We're going to wrap up this episode. We're going to wrap up this episode, um, and we're going we're gonna to see you next week. Um, but yeah, that was the first Republican debate. Thanks for joining us today for this amazing analysis. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. It's always going to help me out. Um, you're going to hear the same thing in the closing in a few seconds, but I thought I'd just throw it in one more time because we love it here at the Shauna Show when you guys show your support and share this episode. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. And so that does it for us here today at the Sean S. Show. If you like my commentary, then go ahead and follow the Sean S. Show on Twitter and Instagram for breaking news posts and updates about the show. And if you want to learn more about political stories, then check out my political news blog on the Show.com and go ahead and subscribe to it. Do us a favor and share this episode and all your other favorite episodes with your friends and family. It's the best way for this show to grow and get more people listening to it. Thanks again for all your support, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.